Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four elementary age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at comparedtowho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Welcome to Compared to the Podcast. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore, and I am super excited about today's topic. Our topic is joy. A few weeks ago, the staff at our church spent a full week in fasting and prayer, really digging into this topic. And what happened for me personally was really amazing, and I want to share that with you. I realized that although I'm a generally happy person, I was really living a life that was lacking in joy. The undercurrent of my heart was not joyful, it was stressful, and I was missing out on experiencing the peace and strength that come from leading a joyful life. Ironically, there's a lot of people talking about how to find joy nowadays, thanks to a Japanese woman named Marie Kondo. In fact, I heard that thrift stores are overflowing with donations as hundreds of thousands of people go through their possessions, holding them close just to see if they feel a spark of joy. Okay, so honestly, I am horrible about keeping things, especially items of clothing that I don't really like or need. So I'm not against the Marie Kondo method of tidying up. In fact, I'm going to do a whole episode in a few weeks on why we keep clothes that don't fit us and things that we don't need. On the surface, I think her method is fine, even logical. I mean, we should get rid of stuff that's bogging us down. But I wonder if when we use the word joy in this context, the context of looking for a surge of happiness from our possessions, if it doesn't confuse or minimize what joy really is. You see, our stuff can't give us the same kind of joy that the Bible describes. And that's the kind of joy we really need, isn't it? So as we start today's podcast, I want to open by reading this passage of scripture from Psalms 1611. It goes like this in the NET translation. You lead me in the path of life. I experience absolute joy in your presence. You always give me sheer delight. Now, David, the psalmist, didn't always have it easy, nor was he perfect. But friends, he knew where to find joy. And so in today's podcast, we're going to talk about some of the ways and places that we can find joy too. Are you in? I hope so. So what is joy? Well, my pastor, Tim Hawks of Hill Country Bible Church, he defined joy in this way. Joy is the sense or state of gladness or elation that people experience through their relationship with God and through good things in their lives. Kay Warren, she defines it like this. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I love both of these definitions, although they're different, and I like them for different reasons. I absolutely appreciate the centrality of our relationship with God as the source for all joy, like in my pastor's definition. I mean, how many times do we think we're pursuing things that will bring us joy, 
aside from God, only to find that we're still unfulfilled. We're going to talk about this more in a second. But I also love the way Kay Warren defines joy as feeling settled because God is in control. You see, joy isn't always about having a smiling face or loving where we are or loving the skin we're in. Joy is about having this undertone of confidence that everything will be okay because of God. So during our fasting and prayer week, we were asked to write our own definitions of joy. So here's what I came up with. Joy is the ever available state of delight that comes with understanding who God is and who I am through him. You see, for me, joy is rooted in understanding my identity because one of my biggest obstacles to joy is comparison and body image issues. If I can understand that my identity, my worth, my value is so much more than what I look like or how I'm doing compared to her or compared to her, that's a place where I can rest, where I can find delight that comes with really understanding that I'm unconditionally loved and accepted. Finding joy is also where we find strength to fight for our identities in Christ. It's where we can find the stamina we need to overcome things like eating disorders and exercise addictions. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We have to believe that, friends. Joy may also be one of the best cures for comparison. You see, until we come to a spot where we recognize that Jesus is always and forever going to be the only place where we can derive true joy, until we believe that for ourselves, we'll never stop comparing. Here's what I mean. So why do I compare my body to the body of another woman? Let's just say I'm having a bad bloat day and I look around and I see a woman who has virtually no belly pooch and I think to myself, ugh, I wish my stomach was that flat. I'd be happier if I could just lose this belly. Well, what am I doing when I allow my thoughts to kind of spiral down to this dead end? I'm allowing myself to believe a lie. The lie says that my life would be better if... Well, in this case, if my stomach was flatter. But behind the lie, there's another lie. And that lie is that my joy comes from the way I look, not from Jesus alone. There are so, so many ways we believe this lie, aren't there? We search for joy in our appearances, in our work, in our bank accounts, in our families, in our home decorating skills, or in our expertise in the kitchen. We are in a constant fight between the truth the joy comes from relationship with Christ alone, and the lie that my joy would be fuller if, if I just had that promotion, if I had an extra zero at the end of my bank account, or if I had the body of a supermodel. As we've talked about in previous episodes, it's the lure of idolatry. And as I've shared before, when I discovered that idols were something that modern day Christians still struggle with, it changed my life. Idols aren't just statues that people literally bow down to. It can be anything in our life that we turn to for satisfaction, peace, or joy. Anything that isn't Jesus. So here's the first truth for today. Idols and joy don't coexist. Joy comes when we find our strength in Christ alone. And when we're looking to our idols to bring us joy, we're always going to be let down. I did two episodes. The first two episodes of this podcast are about my personal struggle with idolatry and what body image idolatry is. So go check those out if you haven't listened to them yet. But I do a lot of speaking all over the country. And there's one thing that consistently happens. It's almost every time I speak, a woman will come up to me 
and she'll tell me that she used to be thinner or that she reached her ideal body. She got down to that weight. She got buff in the gym. And then she'll tell me that she found herself more miserable than ever once her body was perfect. I mean, friends, I have heard this story dozens of times and I've even lived it myself. Joy doesn't come from wearing the size or finally hitting the right number on the scale. But here's something else I learned about joy as it relates to us both spiritually and physically. It's really difficult to live in a state of joy when we're stressed out. Did you know that? So during one of the sessions during our fasting and prayer week, a woman named Lindsay Warner, who's one of the counselors on staff at our church, she talked about how when we're in that fight or flight response with cortisol rushing through our bodies, we can't experience joy like we're intended to. Well, how do we know this? Well, the Bible kind of verifies this because stress is rooted in fear Fear and love can't operate at the same time. In fact, the Bible tells us in 1 John 4.18 that there is no fear in love, that perfect or mature love drives out fear. So we're supposed to live these fearless lives. We're supposed to be anxious for nothing, like Philippians 4 tells us, and then we can know joy. But what happens if we're not? Well, let me break this down in a different way. When we're feeling anxious, when we're worrying, when we're living in a constant stressed out state, we're not going to be able to experience joy. They can't coexist. Our bodies were not designed to allow us to live in the stress response and rest in joy at the same time. In fact, science shows that a body filled with the stress hormone cortisol can't relax and operate in a healthy way long term. I wonder if this is part of the reason why we're supposed to live fearless lives, why we're supposed to be anxious for nothing. Then we can experience joy because we can rest. Sounds great, right? But how do we do it? Well, there are a few ways that we worked on during the week. In fact, at the beginning of the week, I recorded my joy meter, like where my joy was at on a 1 to 10 scale. I gave myself a 4. But by the end of the week, I sincerely felt like my joy was closer to a 9 out of 10, which kind of surprised me. I really felt abundantly more joyful. So today, I want to help you increase your joy meter. And I'm going to give you some exercise specifically related to your body image and comparison struggles that will hopefully do just that. We're going to dig right into these exercises right after our break. Body image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparetohu.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparetohu.me. There's lots of great resources on that site. Articles about body image and comparison and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today. Right after this episode, of course. But look around you. Your family, your faith, they're not in the way. They are the way. From the creators of Jesus Revolution comes the incredible true story. It's going to be dangerous and scary and giving up. It's not an option. The story of one family's journey from down under to center stage. Unsung Hero, a for King and Country film starring Candace Cameron Bure and Terry O'Quinn. In theaters now. Visit unsunghero.movie to learn more. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. 
Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. What are some tangible ways that you can increase your joy? I want to start by revisiting that Kay Warren definition of joy. Let me read it again. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all of the details in my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. We're going to use this definition as our framework for the exercises I'm going to recommend today. So listen again just to the first part of that definition. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of the details in my life. Well, what are the details of your life? When's the last time you did an inventory of what you're thankful for? Gratitude is an excellent pathway to joy, but writing down what you are actually thankful for is a good opportunity for us to recognize that even if some things feel bad, we always have things we can praise God for. When women come to me for marriage advice, sometimes with a long list of grievances against their husbands, this is one exercise I always recommend. I ask them to write a list of things they appreciate about their husband and start reading it every single day. If they're especially brave or if there's been a lot of conflict and unkind words spoken, I ask her to read the list to him. Tell him what she appreciates about him. Friends, gratitude works. It works. It heals hearts and it also heals marriages. So here's your first assignment. When you have a few spare minutes, it doesn't have to be long. Don't get overwhelmed here. Just take like 10 minutes, close your bedroom door and write a list of what you're thankful for. Even if you don't have time to add to that list every day, just read it every day. And I bet you'll start to think of new things you can add. You can even keep it on your phone if you want to. So as you're waiting in the carpool line or waiting at the doctor's office, you can read and add to your thankfulness list. The other part of that definition talks about recognizing that God is in control. So a second exercise I would recommend is writing a letter to God. If you already journal, this may not be a foreign concept, but what you're doing is simply writing out a prayer and in it acknowledging to God that he is in control. Thank him that he's a good father and that you're able to trust him. Thank him that he knows what's good for you and that he has a plan even when circumstances don't seem like they could possibly be part of his plan. Again, this doesn't have to take an hour. Just spend 10 or 15 minutes doing this and I promise it will make a difference. I'm going to read the definition one more time as we talk about the last part of it. Okay, so joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details in my life, the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right, and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So let's talk about the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be okay. So I used to read this devotional. It was called God Calling. It came out like a bazillion years before the Jesus Calling Empire did, but there was one devotional in it that I used to read over and again. It was about trust. And I mean, I practically had it memorized. I would read it so often. But the line that always captured my attention in it went something like this. True trust isn't sloop-shouldered, feet-dragging, but bounces on eager toes of anticipation because it knows in whom it trusts. In other words, if we really believed that God was who he said he was and that he loved us as much as he says he loves us, 
When we fully trust him, would we ever have cause to be afraid? Would we ever need to be anxious or worried or stressed out in the midst of circumstances that look dire? We wouldn't, would we? Now, I don't know about you, but I have some growing to do in this department. I mean, I have been quoted as, yeah, I'm trusting God, which doesn't really sound very trusting, does it? But I think one helpful exercise that will help both of us grow our trust in God and help us gain that quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be okay is to study God. Studying God is so much easier than it used to be, friends. I mean, seriously, with some simple internet searches, you can find lists of scriptures based on keywords. You can find commentaries. You can find blog posts. Okay, not everything you find will be helpful, so know your sources. But a great first step is to simply begin to dig into the love of God. Maybe search for all the Bible verses about God's love and commit to writing them in a journal one at a time every day. Or maybe memorize a few of them. The more you learn about God, the more you will be able to trust him. Communication and understanding always builds relationships and trust. How do I know this works? Well, just think about your marriage or maybe a roommate situation you were in. How many times has something like this happened to you? Let's say you and your roommate or maybe you and your husband are really busy and you haven't had time to stop, chat, and catch up. You don't even really maybe know what's going on in each other's lives, but you're both just on the fast track, really busy, and not stopping to communicate well. Well, what happens? Let's say there's a bunch of your spouse's dishes or your roommate's dishes in the sink, or someone was supposed to switch the laundry from the washing machine to the dryer, but they forgot, and so now you're standing over the washing machine smelling a whole bunch of mildewed clothes. You get really frustrated, right? And because you haven't been in close communication with your husband or that roommate, you get angry. You wonder, why can't they just help you out? Why are they so selfish? Why do they think that you always have to be the one to switch the laundry or you always have to be the one to do the dishes? You kind of start to get mad. And even if you don't express it, that anger starts to grow in your heart and the way you feel about that person changes. Okay, now let's back up and revisit the same scenario, but this time you're in close communication with that roommate or your husband. Maybe last night you and your husband sat down and he shared with you just how stressed out he's been about things going on at work and that he's just so busy he can't even think straight when he's home. He's just consumed with that big project at work. He's nervous about whether or not he's going to do it well enough or if he's going to get fired if he doesn't. Knowing this about your husband gives you a different attitude when you stare at those mildewed clothes, doesn't it? In fact, I would argue that after connecting with your husband or a roommate like that, you look at those clothes and you think with a heart of compassion, a heart of grace. You think, oh, he's so busy. I'll just take care of this for him. It's not a personal slight to you that he didn't switch the laundry like he was supposed to. Okay, this might be a little bit of a stretch of an example, but I hope you stayed with me here because I really think that our relationship with trusting God is the same. If we don't know who God is, if we're not communicating with him through prayer, if we're not reading his word and finding out who he is, it is really difficult for us to trust him, right? We don't know him, and we don't trust people we don't know. (laughs) So why would we trust a God we don't know? Friends, I promise you that studying how much God loves you will help increase your trust in him. Try it, and I have a feeling you're going to be pretty excited about your results. 
Finally, I want to end today's show with a look at the last line of that definition. That said, making the determined choice to praise God in every situation. So here's the truth. You might not like what your body looks like right now. That may be under your control or that may be not under your control at all. Can you praise God anyway? You may not like what other circumstances look like in your life right now, where you're living, the condition of your home, your job, the way your kids are acting, you name it. There are a zillion ways we can be discontent with our lives at any given time, but will you make the determined choice to praise God anyway? You see, here's the crazy thing. Part of the reason we compare ourselves to other people, comparing the way we look or our circumstances, is because we fail to thank God enough for what we have. I'm guilty too, friends. But the life of comparison is a drain. It is not a life of joy. It's a life of fear. It's fear that we aren't going to look good enough, do enough, be enough, accomplish enough. It's not a life of peace and love. We're not loving God well, and we're not loving others well when we spend our time comparing ourselves to them. Like, seriously, how much are you really loving the woman who you secretly hate because she's got a faster metabolism than yours? I'm just being real here. It doesn't work, right? And like I mentioned earlier, it's perfect love that casts out fear. Fear and joy can't coexist. I want you to live a joy-filled life. I want you to experience the freedom in Christ to stop comparing and start living. And most of all, I want you to live with that quiet confidence so that you can accomplish God's great purpose for your life without worrying about whether or not you're good enough or smart enough to do it. Do you want that too? If so, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friend who's listening today. Thank you that you created her to worship. Help her to keep her focus off of herself and onto you, the object of our worship. Remind us all that joy comes from our relationship with you. Help us to strengthen that relationship and continue to show us how much you love us and how trustworthy you are. Thank you for filling us with your joy so we can accomplish your purpose for us. In Jesus' name, amen. I usually like to end the podcast with a question, but I need you to send me some more. Go to my Facebook page or my Instagram, both are at Compared to Who, and write me your questions. I would love to tackle them at the end of a future episode. So that's all for today. Thanks for listening. Be on the lookout for the next episode where we're going to tackle how to beat comparison. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Are you concerned about tensions in the Middle East? Do you wonder where we're currently at in the biblical timeline? Are we really in the last days? Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Carl Muller with the Inside the Epicenter podcast. Every week, my co-host, best-selling author Joel Rosenberg and I answer those questions and more. You'll hear inside knowledge of our meetings with leaders at the highest levels of government in the U.S., Israel, and the Middle East. 
equipping you to filter the news with biblically sound insights. Find Inside the Epicenter on your favorite podcast app or go to joshuafun.com to listen and subscribe.